All right. So um, today, today uh, is an amazing opportunity for us to really refocus on something. I just want to share a message, and I share with the guys at pre-service prayer today that uh, I spoke this message, I think, probably about eight years ago, and I labored over a message this week thinking, well, God, what is it that you're trying to deposit into my spirit? And it wasn't until last night that it really all fell into place, and I was listening to the news, and uh, for those of you who are not aware, uh, there's a young lady by the name of Christina Grimmy, who was the 2014 uh, American Voice, I think she was the runner-up, um, uh, an amazing young lady, she's 22 years old, she's a Christian girl, and uh, she was shot after a concert last night while she was signing autographs and getting selfies taken with her fans, point blank by a guy who had travelled to Orlando to come and kill her, shot her four times, uh, she died in hospital later, and then he shot himself. And, um, and it just got me thinking, wow, like, what, what, is, what is happening in our world? Uh, I was made aware this week that three farmers in this district have committed suicide this week. Three farmers, three people, three husbands, three dads, three men who found evidently the pressure of what's happening in their life at the moment just too much to bear and have taken their own life. And then I listened to the radio and I heard that in Damascus there was a suicide bomber that's just blown himself up in the middle of a busy market and 20 people have been killed and I don't know how many more have been injured. And I, I, just, I just looked at Tanya and I just, like, what is happening? Like, what is going on in this world? It just seems to me to be getting crazier and crazier and more and more out of control. And I said to the guys before in our pre-service prayer, I said, in all of that... I'm not focusing, though, on how bad the world is getting. I'm focusing on how much more of an opportunity there is to shine the light of the love and the grace and the goodness of God. As this world gets darker, Paul says, grace abounds even more where sin abounds. And I, I want us to be encouraged today um, that when my heart breaks, when your heart breaks because of the darkness, that God is able to do something within us to release something out of us to extend his kingdom. And so I wanted to talk today simply about commitment versus convenience. And I love the fact that John comes today and he says, Hey, Damon, can I just read something out about the tin rattle? I've gone, sure, sure you can. Apart from the constipated cat, which I get, you know. Is anybody here like cats? Can I see? Okay, I'll, I'll refrain. All right. <clears throat> Skip. All right. Can I see the dog lovers? Any dog lovers? There are far more dog lovers than cat lovers. I'm just saying, all right? All right. So let's just pray. Father, I just ask that you would take this moment for us as a church. Uh, for, for us as individual people who make up this incredible body called your church, who get to live in a fallen world where we've experienced the heartache and the pain and all of the stuff that's associated with sin, but now we've experienced your goodness and your love, your forgiveness and, and your, your great mercy. And Father, you ask us that because we've freely received the goodness of God, we're now 
called to freely give that and extend that to others around us. I pray that today this simple message would have such an impact upon our lives. And start it with me, God. That's my prayer. Start it with me. And I pray that as a church we would realize that a committed church is a committed church. It's not a title. It's who we are. It's not even an action. It's a core value that determines the way we think, the attitudes of our heart and the actions that proceed from us. I believe, Father, a cornerstone because of the goodness of God. And so I pray, take this word and really impact our hearts today in Jesus' name. So I looked at all of this stuff. Commitment versus convenience. We live in a world of conveniences. This used to be a convenience store so that the people in the east didn't have to travel, you know, a whole nother 200 meters into town. There was a convenience store right here just to make it convenient so you could walk, get all your local shopping done. Our world is full of instant meals for our convenience to save time, even though they're not good for us, but they're labeled that they are. Drive-through coffees have just started in town for our convenience. We've got uh, drive-through fast food outlets because the burgers are better at Hungry Jack's. All right? Does anybody work at McDonald's? I could really get myself in trouble by the end of this message. All right. Thank you, David. Appreciate that. We even have instant loans now for convenient financial benefits. We've got luxury motor vehicles that we travel in with all of the mod cons for our comfort and our convenience to make our traveling all the more beautiful. We've got uh, internet banking. We've got banking on our phones for our convenience. We no longer have to go into the bank, deal with a teller, you know, because they're a real person. We get to do it over the airwaves. We've got smartphones. I love my smartphone. We've got all of these things and all of them are for our convenience. And the longer we live on planet Earth today, the more things we see happening for our convenience. Yeah? These all make our daily lives a whole lot more faster because it's more convenient. My question is, if you had the power to stop it, would you? I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't if it was me. I actually enjoy all of the conveniences of today's living got to be honest with you so I think the question that we need to be asking is how does convenience influence our Christian life we have instant babysitters for our convenience what do you say about that (laughs) it's just a snort it's just a snort I'm just saying that was convenient thanks cha-cha appreciate that But is convenience becoming an excuse for us to avoid commitment? And I think in today's world, that's the issue that we might have because we're seeing that happening more and more and more and more. It's not just in the church, it's everywhere. It's really hard to get a subcommittee planned for anything because people are so busy even though their lives are so much faster because everything's more convenient. Have you noticed that? And so the things that build convenience in our lives are there to help us become more productive in life and yet we become less committed. 
I believe as a church, we need to make sure that we buck the trend of that culture. I love my smartphone. I love the convenience of internet banking. I've only just got onto it. Tanya always does our banking, but I've just discovered how it works and it's brilliant. I wouldn't change it. Certainly wouldn't change But I don't want that to rob me of something. Here's what I've discovered as I've stopped and thought about conveniences. I get my phone out. I go, transfer money to Alex. Great. Thank you for the Westpac app. Appreciate that. What is your PIN number? Let me read that out. No. Okay. Here's what I've discovered. I no longer have to go into a bank, face a real person, and say, hi, Corinne. How's your day? Going really well, thank you. I'd like to do a bank transfer. Can you all know? Sure can. And all of a sudden, what used to be an interactive process that helped build relationship with real people has become conveniently an app on our phone where we no longer have to build relationships. Isn't that a scary thought? I don't even get really much of a chance to talk to anyone when I go and sneak a meal at Hungry Jack's. I drive through the drive-thru and I talk to a machine. Hi, can I help you? Yes, please. Can I have a Whopper meal, please? Make that a big Whopper meal, please. You know? And I drive around. And here's this young lady. She says, oh, is that uh, paper? Yes, it is. Tap. See you later. Come on. That quick. No chance for interaction. I get to the window and I wait because the window's closed. I'm going, this better be good. I hope they healed off the onions, Okay. And then this young lady, the, door, the window opens, she hands me bags, have a nice day. And I go, thanks, and I drive off. And my interaction with real people was minimal. And every time I look at things of convenience to make our life more convenient, I actually see that life becomes less and less about relationship. So as a church, I think convenience is not necessarily our friend but commitment certainly is. And so I want to take us on a little bit of a journey today. So what I'm not saying is that convenience is bad. Okay, you got that? Not at all. I mean, let me give you an example. The other day, I got home from football training with Isaac. Uh, it was raining. I don't know whether you noticed, it was raining. Thank you, Jesus, for the rain. Who enjoyed the sun today? Thank you, Jesus, for the sun. All right. So... It was raining and it was cold. It was just icy. And so Tanya says, oh, can you just go back out in the cold? Because, you know, you were at footy training in the wet. And go and get some pizzas for tea. Sure, baby. Isaac with his wisdom. Hey, Dad, just order them on the phone and you can just go pick them up. Thank you, Jesus, my son. And so we just ordered them on the phone app. And then it, it's a tra there's a tracking thing. You can tell how long. And I just go, brilliant. Wait in the warm. Go out in the car. Years ago, you have to go out after getting dressed in your Ugg boots, your dressing gown, all of that sort of stuff. You head out. My wife doesn't let me go out like that. I would go out like that every time. Absolutely. I'm all about comfort and convenience. So... We'd go out and we'd actually have to talk to a real person. Hey, Lyndon, how you doing? How's your week been? Yeah, good, mate. What do you want to order? Man, we are hungry. The Warren home is looking for like two meat lovers. Make that double meat, triple meat. Make that quadruple meat, we're men. Okay? We'd have a cheeseburger pizza and we'd have this and, and that order. Now, the other day, 
I went to Domino's Pizza and I happened to go in and have that sort of interaction and I spent 10 minutes with a guy just talking to him because I knew him while he wiped everybody else's side and told his little lackey girls to serve them. He had eye to eye contact with me for whole 10 minutes while the pizzas were cooking. I just wonder if we, we don't value and realize the intentional commitment to build relationship with people. It's not comfortable when someone commits suicide. It's not comfortable when somebody's shot point blank range. It's not comfortable. Let's bring it back home to us right here. It's not comfortable when we hear of our neighbor being bashed. It's not comfortable when we hear about rape. It's not comfortable when we hear about drunk drivers killing people on the roads. It's not comfortable when we hear about somebody who we know who's died in a car accident or, or has died in uh, because of a, a serious disease or illness. It's not comfortable knowing all of these things that are close to our home. Okay? I'm pretty sure that Jesus didn't die on the cross comfortably. I'm pretty darn sure it wasn't convenient to be beaten up before he got hung on a cross. And yet his commitment to a cause did not only benefit you and I, but has benefited for hundreds and thousands now of years, those who have turned to Christ and realized the sacrifice and the commitment that he made. Millions and millions of people all around the world see the commitment that Christ made and there's a reward for him because of it. And I wonder how much for us we understand this. I love this. I've read this out before and I'll read it out again because I think it's a great story and it proves my point. A young man who was desperately in love with a young lady wrote a letter to her saying that he'd be willing to endure the cold of the frigid zone or cross the burning sands of the desert or climb the highest mountains or swim the ocean and dodge the sharks just to be in her charming presence. Then he closed his letter by saying this, and I will see you Wednesday night if it does not rain. Yeah. I wonder how many of us have been challenged lately, personally, about our own devotion to our relationship with Christ. I wonder how many of us will say, you know what, uh, Damo, I'll come and join you at the prayer meeting. I'll come and join you on a Sunday service. I'll, I'll come and join you here or there. But then for whatever reason, it doesn't become convenient. And therefore, because it's not based on commitment and purpose, it's based on comfort and convenience. I look around at the moment, even on a Sunday, and yes, it's a public holiday, and I love the fact that people get to go away and celebrate as family and friends, but look at the empty seats. There are so many of our regulars who are not here because it's not necessarily convenient or comfortable. And that's not having a go at people. I understand my heart here. I want to bring this to a point of purposeful commitment so you understand where I'm coming from. All around the world, People are dealing with the same stuff. Even in Africa, they've got McDonald's because it's convenient. All right? So I want you to turn to the Bibles because I want to bring this to a place of reference to Timothy chapter 2. Actually, you can put this up on the board if you like, guys. Sorry I didn't give this to you. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 to 7. 
2 Timothy chapter 2, 4-7. So if, you, uh, if you've got your Bibles, read along with me. If you've got your convenient Bibles on your phone apps. <laughs> I said to someone the other day, find this for me. And they had no idea. I gave them a paper version. Had no idea. And I'm going, what are we doing? Okay. 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting at verse 4. It says, No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Verse 7 says this, Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. I love the fact that here's these couple of verses that we are challenged to reflect on. The reality is we don't often reflect on these. And yet we see Paul writing to Timothy very clearly, reflect on what I'm saying for the Lord will give you insight. I want insight into this. What's, what's he actually saying? So there's three questions here in these verses. How do you win a war? How do you win the prize? And how do you share in the harvest? Yeah, clearly, clearly distinguishable question. Well, I believe that Paul gives the key ingredient for all of these things, and it's called dedicated commitment. Let's have a look at it. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. Why? Because he wants to please his commanding officer. If every time a, a soldier went to war and he started to get distracted from the, because of the civilian affairs that were around him, and he didn't obey his commanding officer, our, our whole army would be in anarchy. Be absolutely ridiculous, and there's no way in the world that there would be a war that was won. Sometimes a commanding officer asked the soldier to do things that he wouldn't necessarily want to do. And yet, because he is trained to obey his commanding officer, he does it because he's committed to a cause. Make sense? Let's have a look at the second one. He is an athlete. If anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. Imagine that. An athlete trained four whole years to get the Olympic Games, gets to the actual track where he's got a race, and decides that the rules are ridiculous and he's going to run his own race and gets disqualified. You'd think that was crazy. I think that's crazy. Why would you want to commit four years of hard training just to be disqualified? And I think we see the same principle at work here. This athlete has committed to work hard to compete according to the rules for the purpose of winning the prize. Yeah? The third one. Let's keep it local. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Here's this hardworking farmer. Do you know what? Whether it's rain or whether it's drought or whatever, these farmers understand what it is to commit. They realize one principle. If we do not sow, we do not reap. And if we do not reap, there's nothing to have and there's nothing to share. And so their commitment, rain, hail or snow, is to continue to sow for the purpose of reaping. Continue to sow for the purpose of reaping. You know what? That takes commitment. 
So let's have a look at this. Is it convenient for the farmer to go out in the cold and go about his work? Sorry? Is it comfortable? Is it convenient for the athlete to wake up at 5am and swim 100 laps of the pool? Is it comfortable? Do you know what? They do it because they're committed to a cause. And I wonder sometimes, I wonder, let me reflect, can I be really brutally honest with you and with me today? I wonder, they are striving with such commitment to win a medallion that hangs around their neck that has no significance at all. None whatsoever. It will never change a person's life. It's a medallion that they get to stand up on the podium and go, yay, my commitment paid off. And yet here we are as a church with three of our local farmers taking their lives this week alone. People being shot, people being raped, people being murdered, people, you know, blowing people up and all sorts of stuff. And yet here we are as the church with a commitment to follow Christ and make disciples, teach them how to love and be gracious and be good and shine a light in a dark place. And yet we struggle to get commitment from the house of God. I just find this incredibly challenging. I've got to be honest with you. I just, I'm not preaching at you. I'll preach at me. I'm preaching the same message. I just find that challenging. I know people who commit to getting up at 5 a.m. to train for a sporting event. Day in, day out. Hour after hour. And yet to encourage the church to get two hours to shake a tin or to come for an hour to pray or gather together for two hours in a week seems to be an impossible task. There's something not quite right with me. And I want to challenge myself with God's word and I want to reflect on what Paul is saying to Timothy and I want God to give me insight into this because at the end of the day, I want to stand before God and I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful. Well done, committed servant. I'm at you, but I find it challenging. And I've discovered that I need this challenge right now. I need this challenge because without it, my priorities are not right. Without it, my commitment's not right. Without it, I lose focus. A great battle was raging. It was the Battle of Waterloo. The sun was sinking in the west. A powerful corps had been summoned from the distance. And if it arrived in time, all would be well. Napoleon, confident that Grouchy and his men would arrive on time, formed his reserve into an attacking column and ordered them to charge the enemy. The world knows the results. Grouchy did not appear. The Imperial Guard was beaten back. Waterloo was lost. Napoleon died in exile, a poor prisoner, because one of his generals wasn't committed to a time frame and arrived just that bit too late. Crazy. That commitment or lack thereof could shape history. Isn't that awesome? I just, I think it's awesome. So what is commitment? Let me touch on this real brief. Commitment is based on two things. First is priorities. 
Priorities motivate our actions. I wonder why it is. Can I just can I just speak freely as a pastor today? Can I just can I have permission to do that? No, I'm not out to offend anybody, but I don't mind killing some sacred cows. All right, we're not Old Testament. I just wonder why in today's society, in this time frame, making a commitment to gather together once a week as the church is an issue. I love hanging out with you guys. I love meeting new people. I love it when you bring your friends to the house of God. I love it when we get people who are committed to come early and practice and rehearse and use the gift of service in in moments of worship where corporately we gather together. I don't need that. I can do it just as well at home, if not better, but I love doing it with you. I've got a commitment to you, not because I'm paid. I was doing this way before I ever got paid and got a title. Why? Because I had a commitment to the house of God. I've got a commitment to serve you. Whether I'm in kids like I was last week, I don't know whether anybody missed me, but I was in kids and we had a blast. I don't know what it was like in here, but you should have been in kids. I mean, we were blowing shofars. I mean, we were making party whistles into shofars and knocking down brick walls. Teaching kids how to have faith and trust in God, even when it looks ridiculous. I mean, what sort of plan is, all right, Israelites, march around the walls of Jericho, but don't make a sound. What, God? What? No, no, just do it. Okay. On the seventh day, march around it seven times. Be silent. But at the end of the seventh time, blow that trumpet and shout as loud as you can, and I'll knock the walls down. What, God? What? Doesn't sound normal. And yet in obedience, they did it. What a way to teach our kids principles of obedience. Just trust God. Be committed to his plan. Be committed to obey what he says. Paul writes says, why is it that some forsake gathering together? It's a good question. Why? 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 Oh, well, I'm a bit tired. It's not real comfortable for me now. Well, get off your backside and get dancing in the house of God. It'll pick you up real quick. Oh, it's not convenient. Oh, didums. You know, I just... I. I I didn't want to come here today. Just being honest. Didn't feel like it. Today would have been a great day to have off. I would have liked to have been out in the sunshine and mowed the grass, done all the stuff around the house because it's got to be done. You know, it's true. I didn't want to come. I didn't feel like it. The reality is this. I came because I'm committed. I came because at the end of the day, it's not about what's comfortable and convenient for me. It's about what is driving the spirit within me because at the end of the day, I want to see a church that is passionate. I want to see a church that is committed. I want to see a church that's rewarded for its hard work, like the farmer, like the athlete, and like the soldier. You say, what's the reward? I'll give you a story. It's the best way to do it. Yesterday, I took a wedding in Patho. Anybody know where Patho is? <laughs> Nobody does. I mean, it's only three houses, let's be honest. I had a, had a wedding, a home wedding in Patho. A strange lady she, uh, emailed Narelle and said, uh, have you got anyone who can marry us? So I said, yeah, I can. So I went out and met these total strangers. 
what I would say as good Aussie larrikin bogans they were. Beautiful people. I get to meet all of their family. I get to meet their closest friends. And I got to perform a wedding and pray over these people who are unchurched people who honoured me enough as a pastor, one, to invite me to take their wedding, and two, allow me to lay hands on them and pray for them. Well, guess what? The wedding ceremony is done and dusted. Legacy split, sign on the line, it's all done, and I got to hang out. So they put a beer in my hand, said, here you go, Domo, it was a great job, mate, have a beer. Uh, thanks. All right. I ended up staying there for another hour and a half because all these people want to talk to me. So, wow, you don't look like a pastor. Well, do you know how many times someone said that to me in my life? You know, a million? What does a pastor look like? Well, we, uh, we, lo- we love the way you did that message. That was, that was great. What I talk on, commitment versus convenience. I don't know about you, but I've been married for 26 years, and sometimes it's not comfortable, and sometimes it's not convenient. But I'm committed. You get my drift. And so I got to share and, and talk to them all about Jesus in the whole bunch of them hanging around me like a dirty piece of meat on a summer's day at the barbecue with all the flies hanging around. It was awesome. And my point is simply this. If we're not engaged with our community How do we expect to get a reward because our priority is not committed to the community that God's placed us in? And you say, but Damo, that's you. Yes, it is just me. I get that. And you're not all supposed to be Damo, but you all have friends and you all have the ability to make friends and you all have the ability to step into other relational areas that I won't ever step into and they're your responsibility, not mine. So commitment looks like priorities. Priority, priority, priority. It's a discipline that keeps those actions from being sidetracked and makes them stable and consistent rather than inconsistent. We adopted, Tanya and I, as a family, that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What does serving the Lord looks like? It looks like serving people. And so we come on a Sunday and we serve. We commit ourselves to whatever it is to serve. We go out of our way to do things because we get to serve. And so I asked the question again to myself, what are my priorities and commitment? The lady across the road, she's a single mum. Got weeds that grow up all over the front nature strip and so it's not convenient or comfortable to go out in the hot sun and spray all of her weeds, but if I don't spray her weeds, they all seed and blow onto my nature strip. So it serves me well to poison her weeds as well as mine. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes love is just inconvenient. So embrace it and love well. Be committed to extending ourselves. Brent prayed this at the start, and I love it, Matthew 6.33, but seek first, commit, prioritize. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Can I tell you, I had a blast yesterday. It was so much fun hanging out with a whole bunch of people who don't know Jesus. And I just got to tell them all about him. And it was fun doing it. And I even got a beer. 
I don't know whether that's good or bad. Anyway, if you invest your time and if you invest your treasure into something, the value will follow. Church, God has raised us up for such a time as this and put us in this community for this community for such a time as this. And if we do not invest ourselves in this community, if we do not invest our time and our treasure into this community, it's the very reason I love getting up here bragging about what our op shop does, because we get to invest treasure, in this instance, money. We get to invest in it. Do you know how many opportunities it gives us as a church to speak into multiple different areas simply because we've given. The Bible says in Proverbs, a gift makes way for you and presents you before kings and princes. So in other words, people who are helping run this community approach us because of our generosity. A lot of you guys don't get to see that, but, but I do. And it's a real honor to, to know that. And that's why we want to encourage you with it. Matthew 6, 21 simply says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But please don't mistake enthusiasm for commitment. Anybody here know anyone who's enthusiastic? Just three of us, Corinne. That's awesome. Ah! (laughs) Anyone know anyone who's enthusiastic? You've got one in front of you. All right. Do you know what? Here's what I've learned over the years. The same enthusiastic crowd of people that cried out to Jesus, Hosanna, Hosanna, were the same crowd that also cried, crucify him, crucify him. Enthusiasm does not equal commitment. Please be enthusiastic. I like enthusiasm. But please add to your enthusiasm commitment, a priority issue. I'll finish with this story. You've been very patient with me. Baptists in Russia tell the story about a group of Christians meeting in secret for Bible study in a village near Moscow. Suddenly the door of their meeting room burst open and there stood two communist soldiers, their rifles with bayonets pointed at the Christians in the group. One of the soldiers said, we want to be fair about this. So if you aren't really committed to this Jesus stuff and you don't really believe the Bible, we'll give you a chance to leave. Now get up and go if that's you. All but six of the more than 20 left the room for fear of their lives. Then the soldiers went to each of the doors that led to the room and locked them with their bolts. They listened with their ears pressed against the doors for a moment to make sure the insincere Christians had gone. Then they took their rifles, leaned them up against the wall and said, We are Christians too. We just couldn't take a chance. Let's study God's words together. I wonder... If this was us today and two soldiers burst in with automatic machine guns and said to us, deny Christ or die, where would our commitment really lie? It's a great challenge. Can I tell you, today would be my last day on planet Earth and I would make no hesitation about it. And I would be promoted to a better place anyway. Such is the hope that I have in Christ. And I want to encourage you today. There are people who need that hope. There are people that need this message. Those three men who committed suicide this week needed to hear the message of hope in Christ for their hopeless situation. 
that young lady who was shot at point-blank range was a beautiful Christian young lady who was promoted to heaven. Way before a time, from our perspective, but I guarantee she sung like an angel and I know where she'd be right now, singing with the angels. I don't know how long I've got on planet Earth. All I know is this, every day I live, the closer I am to death. And I don't want to be morbid about this, it's just true, all right? I'm 46 years old. I'm not 30 anymore. I know, David, I know. And, and what, you must be at least 21, all right? I'm 46 years old. Every day I live is another day closer to my promotion. And I don't know when that promotion is going to happen. So what I do today is important to God now. The people that I love now is important to the Father's heart. The people that I engage who don't yet know His love is important to the Father's heart because just as my heart broke over this young lady, these three farmers and these 20 people in Damascus, God's heart even more so because He sees the whole brokenness of the world. And you know what He says? I want you as the church to commit to your mission to seek and save those who are lost. And the only way that I can see that ever happening is if we continue to champion and strengthen and encourage the gifts and the call of God upon the church, which is you and I individually and those who call themselves lovers of Jesus all around the globe. And if we would encourage one another enough to commit and not live a life of convenience, we can change this world. I just feel stirred. I just feel stirred. I really do. And I just pray that today's message, it's not about bringing condemnation to where you are or where I am. It's about reality. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to us. Let God look after the stuff and let's look after our hearts and focus them on the call and the purpose of God upon our lives. Cool? Why don't you stand to your feet with me? If you've never given your life to Jesus and you don't have that certainty and that trust of hope in Him like I've just shared with you, then today is your day. Can I tell you, God is more interested in loving you than we are in extending our love back to Him. And He is simply a prayer away, a breath away, simply an invitation away because His love continues to draw us to Himself every breath that we take. And I want to invite you today, not to a life of Christian convenience. Giving your life to God does not mean your life is going to be a better rose as it's all hunky-dory for the rest of your life. Can I tell you? Giving your life to Jesus means that you're willing to live a committed life and pursue Him and love Him. And because of that, God's blessing and favor continues to flow through your life. And sometimes that doesn't even look like blessing and favor. Let God be God and let us be followers of Him. If that's you and you know that God is tugging on your heart and He's saying, I want you to experience my love, 
I want you to experience my grace. I want you to experience my goodness. Then I want to pray for you before you leave today. Please give me the honor of spending a few moments with you and praying with you. And so at the end of this service, which is just a minute away, I want to invite you to come up the front and I'll wait here for you and I want to spend some time just with you and I want to pray with you. And I want you to experience something that changes your life forever. If you need some testimonies of what God can do, again, grab the Teen Challenger newsletter off the info desk at the back on your way out and you'll read story after story about where God has touched and changed these men's lives miraculously. Talk to any one of the people around you, they'll share a similar story. Okay? I want to pray. And I want you to join me in a heart of commitment today. Just put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. And let's do this together and realize that God has called us many parts, one body, for his purpose. Damo, reach out and touch Lyndon's shoulder there, man. Good man. All right, Father, I want to thank you that you call us to live a committed life. In fact, you challenge us to reflect, particularly Paul's message to Timothy, to reflect on this. The soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. I pray, Father, that today we would be stirred about where our commitments lie. And Father, we would realize that it's not always convenient and it's not always comfortable, but it doesn't always have to be. But it can always be fun. Even in the hard times, imagine Paul and Silas in prison after being beaten and whipped and yet they began to pray and praise you and all of heaven broke loose as, as an earthquake shook the place and they saw salvation. It would have been fun. I pray, God, that in the moments where we miss the moment, that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear and minds to understand what you're doing right there and then. I pray that this week you'd give us multiple opportunities to engage with our community because this community needs to hear about your love and your goodness. Help us to stretch beyond our comfort zones. Regardless of personality, you didn't say go into all the world and preach good news if you're a demo personality. You told us if we are disciples, go into all the world and preach the good news of Jesus. Make disciples of all nations. That's all of us. And I pray that we'd be challenged out of our comfort, challenged out of our convenience, and challenged to commit, Father, that brings reward. And you love to reward those who diligently seek you. We love you, Father. We honor you today. We thank you for our time together, and I pray that we leave strengthened, encouraged, build up, and let this word resonate, Holy Spirit, in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome.